Welcome to the Think Orange podcast. We've been having a lot of conversations at Orange about what it looks like to lead humans. And we know that's not easy when it comes to kids, teenagers, volunteers, and parents. We'll be headed to 14 cities this fall where we'll be talking about that from a practical level. We hope to see you in a city near you. But we want to invite you into some behind-the-scenes conversations as we begin preparing for each and every town that we'll be headed to. So we've invited some of our favorite thinkers. Let's hop into the conversation. Welcome to the Think Orange podcast. As we are beginning to prepare for Orange Tour, as we begin talking through all the topics, we wanted to invite you, the listener, into some of our behind-the-scenes conversations that are already happening, hopefully even here from you. I've got wonderful Trey McKnight and Kristen Ivey in the building, the president. Obviously, Ooh, I introduced you here in the first episode he here, a he theological said. degree, educational degree, worked within schools, now have a chance to work with us here uh, author of Phase, in case you didn't know, Trey McKnight. I mean, where do I even begin? We go back a long you time. Don't have, you so. don't have to begin. You don't have to begin. <laughs> but just, I will say this, uh, small group leader, but then had a chance to work many years at a church uh, over overseeing the high school department, worked overseeing the Big Stuff camps, mm-hmm. and now get a chance to build the culture right here at Orange, which kind of launches us into what we're talking about today. Because when it comes to team dynamics— and, and cultures within churches and organizations, it's more difficult than ever, which kind of leads us right into what we're talking about today. And that is, as everything is evolving, how are we to lead staff when work is changing? Even the definition of the word work is mm-hmm. changing when you're looking at young to old or even just this generation or this era, this time that we're living in. But I, I want to start with you, Trey, since you handle the culture right here. How have you been seeing it change over the years? <laughs> That's a loaded question. <laughs> um, Sitting I mean, beside the president. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you tell me, Chris. Um, no, I mean, it's, it's, I think anybody can look around and, and tell that there is so much, to, everything has changed mm-hmm. in our work environment, especially the last two or three years. I think that we could go back before all things 2020, all things COVID and say, well, work was changing even then, especially oh, yeah. within ministry world. Mm-hmm. We've seen a decline in attendance in churches. We've mm-hmm. seen overturn happening constantly mm-hmm. among church staffs and, you know, people trying to figure out, well, what does this look like moving forward? And of yep. course, everything over the last two years really brought that to light, kind of put a microscope mm-hmm. on what we've been seeing already. And so I think it just advanced mm-hmm. um, this phenomenon, if you will, mm-hmm. that is everything has changed and it is our job as ministry leaders to figure out what does that look like now? How do I make sure that I, I'm taking care of my people? How do I make sure that my people are engaged mm-hmm. at work? What is what is work, mm-hmm. right? You know, mm-hmm. like what the, the word work has changed. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that people define it differently than they ever did before as people have reevaluated. And we've talked about the great resignation mm-hmm. and all the different terms that people have yep. thrown out there. So I think that it's uh, at a start, I think we just have to first and foremost accept that work has changed. Mm. I think that that's the first thing is just to just to realize that and not try to fight it, because I think if we try to fight it, we're going to miss it and then we're going to be way behind. So I love what he said, uh, Kristen. He kind of laid this foundation and said, "Okay, this is where we're at right now. And here's the reasons as to why. But this is the reality. Work has changed Mm -hmm. when looking at the word team. And you've been looking at this organization over the past few years going through covid now coming out of covid. How has the word team changed in your perspective? (laughs) Everything has changed, right? I mean, we're facing all of the challenges. A lack of proximity erodes trust. So everywhere that you already maybe had tension between your teams, you're going to feel that 
kind of in a new level, if you haven't been in the same space together, building that kind of trust. A lot of turnover means that you're facing the challenge of how do you take cultural values that existed with one group of people and embed that into a new group of people. If you've got new staff, if some staff have left, how do you keep the things that were great about the past alive in a new reality? How do you change things to adapt to the new reality as Uh new staff are coming in with, they've got new demands and new uh, ideals and things that they want to see change around, uh, you know, your workplace. So there's so much that's on the table when it comes to how we work together. Mm -hmm. I think another thing, though, that sometimes challenges us in ministry spaces, uh, Orange is a nonprofit. And so I think we have the same kind of challenge that a lot of churches face, which is we're so mission driven that everybody comes to the table excited about the mission. You're focused on what you're doing. You're focused on the goal of you know, reaching your community, building faith into the future of the next generation. And you've got this great mission in common. And it's easy to make the mistake of not valuing your work culture mm-hmm. and who you are as an organization and who you are to each other in the day to day to day. We run over each other when we're going, oh, it's for the mission. It's for the mission. It's mm-hmm. for the mission. And we forget that it's actually a lot about how we treat each other. It's one of the things I love about Trey. Mm-hmm. Trey has always prioritized for team and for culture and and never kind of made that mistake of of kind of confusing, oh, we're, we're here for the great mission, but actually yeah. the way that our teams interact is everything. Well, and that, that, and I'm glad you brought that up because I think that when, one thing that we have a tendency to forget as leaders, and I've been guilty of this myself, is that when you are in a mission-driven organization, our tendency is to think, oh, the mission will be the thing that brings them in and makes them engaged, right? But if you think about every single one of us as humans, Mm. every single one of us are humans and humans do things that are for themselves. (laughs) Ultimately, they may not admit it, especially in a mystery environment. (laughs) People have a tendency to say, oh, no, no, I'm just doing it for the mission, as you said. But ultimately, what's in it for me? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and when, you know, we're missionally driven, they can go down the street and still be missionally driven. It's mm-hmm. going to be, hey, who's going to take care of me? Who's going to make sure that I can stay engaged because they care about what I care about? OK, so let's go into let's go right in the weeds because you open the door and I'm going to I'm going to run through. <laughs> let's, let's run. Let's there go. is a tension. And this is a real tension that you hear from a lot of jaded ex uh, church employees between I felt like I was called to the church. Mm-hmm. And then I was fired. Right. <laughs> and then they're upset. And and to navigate uh, removing someone who is not performing well. Mm-hmm. And this is what's most difficult when it comes to what a lot of churches have to navigate. Because it's yep. not like a, co- a company that says, you didn't hit your marks, yeah. you're mm-hmm. out of here. It was yep. as simple as that. Mm-hmm. You're really managing uh, people who are saying, I feel like I was called to be here, and but they're not performing. Mm-hmm. What, what would you say you all have learned about that, well, uh, that you journey? Are, you are diving right in, aren't you? Yes, go. That's, we're, going, we're going straight to, to number 10. Okay, I thought we were going to start at two. We're going to 10. That's great. Um, that's a hard one. And mm-hmm. I think if you ask anybody who's sat in the seat where you have to navigate a circumstance like that, mm-hmm. you've got somebody who's not performing, you've got somebody who's not contributing, you're not, you've got somebody who's not engaged. We all know that as the leader, that's one of the most difficult decisions you can make when somebody feels called. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing, though. Everybody else around you probably knows it, too. Mm-hmm. And when you as the leader don't take the step to do what is best for the organization and the overall health of the team, you're doing everyone else a disservice. Mm-hmm. You're doing everyone else on the team a disservice because there's there could be a toxicity that's there if it's a toxic type situation. Mm-hmm. There could be uh, other people are having mm-hmm. to take on the weight of what this person is not performing on. Mm-hmm. There's so many different factors mm-hmm. that come into play that are going to have an effect 
on the rest of the team. But if you look at that person in particular, this person may or may not be called, as they say, to what you're doing. I don't mean to make light of that. But right. I mean, say, as they say, they, they're called to whatever position they're in, the mm-hmm. church, the ministry. But if you hold on to them for longer than you need to, you could be holding them from the next thing that God is calling them to. I was about to say the same thing. I think yeah. I think we've been further along in our journey, right? And we probably have experienced some hurt. And yes. I think it's really easy to feel like you're called to one place specifically doing right. this one thing. Mm-hmm. And I love what uh, Kristen and Reggie said uh, in the earlier podcast about really just saying God gets wider the more you're challenged mm-hmm. and the more That's you're great. able to see Him through mm-hmm. a wider lens. And there were, I, I remember moments where I thought, this is, I know I was called to do just this. Mm-hmm. And then a situation happens and God suddenly reveals so much more. Right. And I remember thinking, I was yelling in an office saying mm-hmm. I, I was meant and made to do yes. this. And yet God was saying, I wasn't mm-hmm. done yet. I, you, you were meant mm-hmm. to do that then. Yep. And now you're meant to do this. And I really mm-hmm. always tell people, hey, it, it, it starts with reminding them that they are called by Jesus to do his work within them. And it is not limited to yep. just one building, right. Right? which I know some churches are like, well, we want them to feel like it's only here. They can do their great work. <laughs> but it's our job to remain open-handed, yep. right? And say, maybe this isn't their last stop, which yep. is obviously easier to do when they're not performing well. Because <laughs> you're like, well, it's not going to be. But, but I just wanted to really talk about that because I do think it's extremely difficult navigating that with someone who feels a deep conviction and yet you as a leader know this is not the right fit for you, whether it's this department or whether it's this job or whether it's this church. You know, another place where I think that applies is also when an employee is leaving you because really, mm-hmm. employment is a two-way relationship. So sometimes maybe you're ending the relationship, and sometimes maybe they're ending the relationship as an employee or a leader. You know, it goes both directions. Yeah. And oftentimes, I know that there can be a temptation when somebody's leaving to also be thinking, oh, well, then I thought you said you were called, so mm-hmm. I thought you were going to be here forever. That's so true. Because mm-hmm. I thought you said you were in this mission, yeah. but you're giving up. You must be leaving what God told you to do. There's all those and kind of dysfunctional, right. emotional oh, exactly things. It is. Mm-hmm. it is emotional manipulation, but it's sometimes it's hard to even name that and mm-hmm. say, actually, sometimes God has a calling on somebody's life that is a part of your organization for a season and not for the long haul, but it doesn't mean that God's done with their calling, mm-hmm. right? And so that can go both directions. It can hurt. It can hurt, but it can hurt both directions, You, you can right? take it personal and yep. have to really shut the door to your mm-hmm. office and say, I'm taking this too personal. Mm-hmm. Right? They mm-hmm. have every right to continue on the journey that, that God has put. But sometimes you're like, you're leaving me. And then sometimes mm-hmm. leaders, we can we can literally. Well, that's why I try to, I, I try to take the posture always. And we've talked about this here at Orange. I try to always take the posture that anybody who is going to join us, I never make the assumption that they're going to be with us forever. Mm-hmm. I, I always say to them, hey, for whatever period of time that you are here, right? Because instantly mm-hmm. we've given permission to that person and to ourselves to say, I recognize that you may be here for a season. Mm-hmm. Now your season may be two years. Mm-hmm. It could be 10 years. It could be for the rest of your career. That's good. It could be a week if things don't go well, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That background check comes back. <laughs> well, I hope not. Realize, oh, oh, my. I hope not. Right? Maybe, Hopefully you've done the work on the right. front end. That that's yeah. not the case. But um, it, it kind of names that season that you're going to be here for a season. And no matter how long that season is, we are going to pour into you as much as we can. Mm-hmm. We're going to give you the resources and the tools that you need during the time that you're here. But at whatever point that that season ends, mm-hmm. we're going to be cheering you in and we're going to be cheering you out. That's mm-hmm. good. All right, so let's dive into the word team. Obviously, it looks different that today. Uh, we have the remote situation. A lot mm-hmm. of churches are having to navigate this fusion of in-person teams 
mixed with remote teams, yep. as you all have done that right here in this organization, what are the complexities of that? The in-person the, situation felt like a really nice way to say <laughs> something that doesn't feel nice at all. Trey, you go. <laughs> this is different. This is what makes yeah. this such a different era we're living in now. Right. As you said, young people are coming in uh, and they're Ooh. expecting, is mm-hmm. there is there an option for remote work? Right. Yeah, that's... Um, that's the that's I mean that's the the bridge that we're all trying to cross right now mm-hmm. because I think that if you ask uh, any if you ask ten different leaders ten different ministry leaders mm-hmm. ten different corporate leaders whoever mm-hmm. they're going to give you ten different answers on well this is the right way to do so this. true mm-hmm. and I think we're we're just at a crossroads right now where nobody knows what's right mm-hmm. I think you have to really hone in on as we've talked about mm-hmm. you need to look at who you want to be as an organization moving forward mm-hmm. what do you want this team to look like in the future moving forward so what's our three year plan what's our five year plan I don't mean all the logistics of things mm-hmm. I just mean who do we want to be? Mm-hmm. What's going to be our DNA three years from now? Mm-hmm. And if it's on one side, well, we want people who are communal. We want people who are in great relationships. We want people who who uh, enjoy being around each other. All of those things mm-hmm. that you can throw in there, then you have to figure out a way to say what we value here is that we are in close proximity to each other. Mm-hmm. But now if you can step to the other side and say, well, you know what? What we value is people who are super productive, people who show up when we have meetings that are collected from all over the world, people who uh, you know, mm-hmm. are engaging when we need them to engage in every form of communication that mm-hmm. we've brought into our situation. Mm-hmm. Okay, now that's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have necessarily physical proximity, but you can still create great culture around that as well. So really it just comes down to, no, neither one is right or wrong. Right. It just comes down to who do you want to be as a team? Who do you want to be as an organization? What mm-hmm. steps are we going to take now in order to move us in that direction? Because it's not going to happen instantly. Mm-hmm. I love what you said. You essentially gave room to say we're learning and you mm-hmm. absolutely to be able to tell your staff, we're, we're going to keep tweaking this. We might start here, but we might have to adjust it down the road. And you right. see a lot of companies already doing that. Mm-hmm. And I'd imagine there's a lot of churches that have been pivoting as well. Kristen, what I you got? I think you got to also take into account different roles, right? Give yourself mm-hmm. permission so to not have a one size fits all. Yeah, approach. Um, there may be different answers that you give for different roles, for different departments, uh, for different reasons. And you may try something one way and then realize along the way, six months in, nine months in, hey, that didn't work the way we planned. Now mm-hmm. we're going to back up and try mm-hmm. something. Give yourself so much permission mm-hmm. um, because a lot of us are trying to figure this out. There are very few experts on the right answer to in-person or remote work, Mm -hmm. even though many, many, many on the internet proclaim to be, (laughs) very few of them have led an organization just like yours Mm -hmm. in a reality where they're trying to figure out in-person and remote. So I love the permission that you're Mm -hmm. kind of extending to all of us as we kind of figure it out Mm -hmm. and know that you're going to take an approach that maybe isn't the same approach Mm -hmm. someone else takes, and you may even change your mind along the way. Yeah. Trey, as we're looking at culture, I think a lot of people understand that what's said within the walls of your organization it can end up dictating a lot of what the culture ends up becoming. To those who can be sitting at a lunchroom or at a water cooler talking to their coworker and they begin to wonder, have that weird feeling of, is this gossip? Are we Have we drifted mm. into gossip mm. or is this just them venting? Mm, what do right. you what do you say about these dynamics as we're all there's everyone has a bad day. Right. Mm. But how do you manage bad days when you're venting to your coworkers? Yeah. Um gosh, that's a, another heavy one. I I like to say all the time people are going to people. Mm. And what I mean by that is that when you are dealing with humans, when you're dealing with people, there's always going to be an element that's imperfect, which means there will be times when you, when mm-hmm. you, when I 
are emotionally charged enough mm. to say something or do something that probably may be a little bit across the line and inappropriate when it comes mm-hmm. to, and when I say inappropriate, it's not something that's, you know, totally. extensive and appropriate, mm-hmm. but just, I mean, you, you think about, you know, when you're wanting a culture that is positive and is moving in the right direction and there's communication and there's clarity and he's, mm-hmm. there's all these things that are moving, moving the organization to a place where you want it to be, the little toxic little comments can have a play on that, mm-hmm. Right. And so depending on where you are any given day emotionally, we've all been there. Mm-hmm. So I think that one of the things that, that we, we try to encourage people to do, and this is an ongoing process, is always point people to the source of their frustration. That's good. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I mean, that has to be the first stop. Mm-hmm. Um, Which you know, all of us can do together. Absolutely. Yep. We always have to empower absolutely. everyone. And say, yes. It's right. not just the leader. Yes. All Everybody. of us can it's say, so hey, easy. have you talked to so-and-so yeah, about that? It's right. so easy to just get sucked into it because I think as, as humans, as people, we have a tendency to uh, bond around a common mm-hmm. enemy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And difficulty. And sometimes you think you're being polite. There right. are people yes. who feel like, I'm just going to affirm them at this water cooler. Right. Just, huh? Totally. Oh, my gosh. Yep. And, and you're thinking, hey, what is the appropriate thing to do yep. for the sake of culture? Well, because giving that affirmation mm-hmm. sometimes can be in the other person's mind mm. uh, a condoning of mm-hmm. of what they're saying and their behavior. And they can walk away mm-hmm. thinking, oh, OK, well, they're on my side. They're on my side. And now you've got this this thing that's brewing mm-hmm. that could potentially become a much bigger thing that we don't want. And so I think when you can develop a culture where it just becomes natural that anybody and everybody involved can move toward Hey, have you talked to that person about that? Mm-hmm. I love once I heard this, this this phrase: gossip is talking to somebody about uh, about your problem who can't do anything. We can't do anything about it. it. Yep. Yes. And I think that's such a that's such a great way to remember it because I think when I was always wondering, is this gossip? I would say, if I can't do anything to fix mm-hmm. that problem, that's the moment I have to stop and say, Hey, right. have you talked to this person about yep. that? Because it doesn't feel like I'm the right person. You should right. be venting this with, and it, and it really helps you not feel like you have to be the bad guy, but know mm-hmm. like I was that was the right call because mm-hmm. I think it's easy for us to be like, I don't want to hurt their feelings. Right. I know they're mm-hmm. trusting me. But at the same time, I can't fix that. Mm-hmm. So it's doing you no good to vent all of that to me. All I'm going to do is walk around and with it and can't yeah. do anything with it. So, Christian, what are your thoughts on this? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could not agree We've talked more. a lot about We've this. We've talked yeah. a lot about <laughs> this. And I think it's something, I, I mean, I've made this mistake so many times. But I also think, you know, depending on where you sit in leadership in your organization, there is a sense in which you need to acknowledge, this is going to sound weird probably, but, but organizations have structures and titles and, you know, different layers. And if you have authority, then when you don't redirect, it can make even a bigger statement Mm -hmm. to somebody. There's so much of an opportunity. Uh, Maybe if you're talking to somebody and they work in another department and their director's not there, but you hold director level power or whatever in that conversation, in that moment, if you don't acknowledge not only the fact that it's your you know, place to redirect that conversation, but especially if you're in leadership mm-hmm. or in a seat that holds organizational power, so much more so mm-hmm. do you need to do that redirect mm-hmm. and point somebody back to their director and go, okay, you probably, have you talked to them about it? Uh, that feels like it's something the two of you need to work out. So, uh, so Chris, you do something really, really good and I, and I, and I love when you do it. When someone asks a question, whether it's a question to you or to someone else, of something that you could have offered clarity to, you have a personal conviction on that. And you'll say, gosh, I, I want to do better to offer clarity so that they don't have that question. So to the leaders who sit in the seats mm-hmm. that you sit in, the executive teams, uh, who they realize, hey, I have a responsibility to make sure I could be as clear as possible. Because clarity is huge when it comes to team mm-hmm. dynamics. Can you talk a little bit about that? Clarity is kindness. 
Mm. Uh, it never feels kind in the moment. There's so many times when uh, it feels like to be vague would be kind, <laughs> especially if the real answer, the true answer isn't what somebody wants to hear. <laughs> and so there's a tendency to want to lean in and be like, well, I mean, kind of. <laughs> but that vague place may feel better in the moment, but it's not doing anybody any good. <laughs> that, you know, <laughs> it takes a level of courage to be kind mm. And to say, okay, this is this is true. Mm-hmm. Now it's changeable. Mm-hmm. Is it something you want to change? Is there something that we need to learn about it? Uh, maybe it goes back to remote work or in-person work. If you're mm-hmm. telling somebody, hey, in your role for this job, it's actually in-person. That's not what you want to hear right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that is what's true. That is a true expectation. Yeah. And it probably also requires humility because you could have said it a hundred times, <laughs> but somebody missed it a hundred times. And yep. so when they say you never said it, you have to say, Maybe you didn't hear it. Yep. I won't be offended. Yep. I won't take that personally. Okay. I want to say, what are you sure. talking about? I said it a hundred times. <laughs> what, are you, did you read the emails? Did you? But they Maybe we weren't it. clear. Maybe we weren't clear. Maybe we weren't clear. It's good. But, <laughs> but yeah, it is an expectation. And then mm-hmm. you put it on the table. And then if you are clear, then it can be become a conversation to debate. And, and maybe it's something that needs to change. Mm-hmm. But you can't talk about it or discuss it or even change it if you aren't willing to name it first. Yeah, no, I think, and I would say too, I mean, getting back to that permission word, mm-hmm. I think that when you, you, you use the phrase, uh, clarity is kindness. Mm-hmm. I would go so hard in the other direction to say lack of clarity is cruelty mm-hmm. because you're now not giving someone permission to first know the information, to be clear on the information, but then to act out of the proper information. Mm-hmm. When we're, when, when people have gaps mm-hmm. in information, they're going to fill it with something. This goes back even to the first question you asked, Sojo, when you're talking about underperformance, Mm -hmm. because I also think sometimes underperformance is just something that happens when we haven't been clear about expectations. Mm. Oftentimes, Mm -hmm. if you're sitting down to have a conversation about underperformance, it it needs to start with, what do you do most days, or what do you Mm -hmm. feel like you're measuring your wins by? How are you measuring your wins right now? Because if you begin by asking, how are you measuring your wins right now? You may find out oh my goodness, they're doing a million things. I had no idea mm-hmm. that they were doing. I was about to evaluate their performance on all this over here. That's so true. Yep. And sometimes it's just a miscommunication about expectations. And then it opens up a different conversation instead of you're underperforming. It's, okay, you're spending a lot of time doing things we didn't know you were doing. Mm-hmm. So right. where do we adjust uh, You know, on both sides of that? Great change is always hard. Mm-hmm. We're living, obviously, and in, in, in change is so rapid. A lot of times people can enter into, uh, you have, like Kristen acknowledged, there's employees that have been here for a while. Mm-hmm. There's new employees entering. A lot of times new employees can immediately want to start enacting some change that they feel passionate <laughs> about. Right, right. What do you say to those eager, ambitious new employees that are ready to see some change happen in this place? Goodness gracious, if, if that's not the, the picture-perfect example <laughs> of, of my life the last year and a half, I would say um, you have to first give yourself, we're using permission again, I'm going to use it again, yeah. give yourself permission to recognize that none of this happens overnight. Mm-hmm. That when you have either a small team, it could be a team of three or four people. I mean, obviously that's going to be a little easier to, to shift certain things yeah. when there's less people involved. Mm-hmm. Or you have a larger organization, 50, 100, 200, keep going. Mm-hmm. Anytime you have a situation where there's change that is required or change that's needed, you have to give yourself permission and say, this is going to take time. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. just because as the leader or whoever is, is affecting change, or if you're just new to an organization and you see things that could change, you've got to get it in front of the right people. 
Mm-hmm. You've got to make sure that other people are on board with it. Mm-hmm. And then you've got to make sure that everybody is continuing to move in that direction. Mm-hmm. Because as you get more people involved, there are other people that will peel off and they're mm-hmm. going to do this. And so, but this is the way we've always done it. You have all these naysayers and you have all these people who are just not good with change. You've mm-hmm. got to give that time to, 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 my mom used to say all the time, you know, when you, you cook spaghetti in a pot, it's really good on the first day. <laughs> but the next day, the next when it's day. had time to sit in there Come and simmer on. and get you know, all the right. juices just right. get together, you know, that's when things get better. You got to give stuff time to simmer. So, well, because a lot of times you walk in and you, you know who you are, you feel like you should have this much influence. Right. Mm-hmm. But the reality is no one else knows you yet. Right. And so mm-hmm. you, you could be disheartened by thinking, why isn't anyone listening? And like you said, it takes time. Yeah. Your influence grows. The Absolutely. more you're serving others, the more you're, the more you're playing team ball yep. mm-hmm. uh, and understanding that it's not just about your agenda, but it's about understanding the overall agenda. And then there'll come a moment where you have influence. You might only get, this is to that person who says, I have, I have a checklist of 10 things. You might only get one thing this right. year. Right. Figure out the most important thing and yes. start those conversations. Prioritize. You've got, You've got to, to prioritize. Yep. You can't come in there with 12 things on the checklist right. and say, I'm happy. I got my turn at the table. I'll let you go through <laughs> all the things that's the problem with this department. Right. We all know it's like, hey, yep. too much. Pick too your fast. battles. Figure out which hill you want to die on. As you can say it a bunch of different ways, you know. Pick one, maybe two, and say, this is what we're going to focus on, and then be really clear about that to that's everyone right. so that everybody can get on the same page. Now, picking the hill to die on, that's a whole different podcast. Because I would say, that's the moment where you know this might not be the right fit for you. I would say, once you've determined yes. that hill and you realize that this, mm-hmm. this is something that is just not going to change here, yep. that is the moment where you look at someone across from a coffee and say, it sounds like that might not be the best yeah. place for you then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If that's the hill you've chosen to die on, right. that may not change then. Right. Chris, what are your thoughts on just this. be a learner i mean so mm-hmm. much of it has to do with learning right you you come into something if you've got fresh perspective you should say what you see because that fresh perspective is probably something that's been lacking in that room you know if there mm-hmm. isn't somebody looking at it with fresh eyes but at the same time it's how you say what you say that will matter so much mm-hmm. to go hey i have this idea or i see this thing or i was wondering about blank what do you think about that mm-hmm. or how would that work based on, you know, what's what's happening here already. But be <laughs> a learner takes so much time to learn what is working in a culture and what is working in an organization. Yeah. Because like you said, change is hard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's got, it requires this two-way influence of always learning and challenging at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, as we're kind of coming to a close, what I love about Orange Tours, you don't just have a chance to bring your staff or even just yourself if it's just one of you. You get a chance to bring those volunteers as well. Uh, I was raised in a church where it was just one person uh, trying to run mm-hmm. everything, mm-hmm. And, and bless his heart, he just couldn't be everything to everyone. I think the beauty we have, the positive nature of we, we've we've trekked through all the difficulties. The beauty of team is that you have a diverse cast of characters, all mm-hmm. with different stories, a lot of times different skin colors, uh, different histories, all those things. Um, and it allows us to have much more uh, broad ministries that are able to pull in many more students mm-hmm. and kids. Uh, so when you're looking at the beauty of team in in what this church is doing well. And I would say this generation's church is doing some wonderful things when it comes to team dynamics. I'd love for you to talk about that as we're laying mm-hmm. in the plane. Yeah. Um, man, I just, you know, one of our, uh, our values is um, advocate for diversity. Mm-hmm. And the reason that that's one of our seven values is because there's so much value to be mm-hmm. found in the differing voices. Mm-hmm. And so when we're navigating change, when we're navigating uh, young and old, you know, mm-hmm. and not to say that old people are old, but it's just like, you know, right. you've got people mm-hmm. who are established and you've got people who are brand new. You've got fresh eyes and you've got mm-hmm. uh, people who have done things a certain way for a certain period of time. If we don't 
fight for diversity. You know, when we say when we say advocate for diversity, it's not just race. It's not just mm-hmm. gender. No. It is it is diversity of thought. Mm-hmm. It's diversity of leadership. It's mm-hmm. diversity of ideas. Geography. Can, yeah, geography. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so when you bring all of that to the table, then you have the ability for someone to to spark an idea, and then mm-hmm. you build on that with someone else. You build on that with someone else, and then you're bringing in all these different avenues of experience and mm-hmm. and and of, of culture and of of you know how much they've read and the, the the different things. And so now you get this conglomeration of just something that really becomes very beautiful that mm-hmm. can actually help define who you are so moving true. forward. So you can you can start in a place and say this is who we want to be. Mm-hmm. But when you have diversity of thought, when you have all of these things coming in together, um, it helps continue to define that moving forward. And it becomes really more beautiful than anything you could have said at the beginning. By yourself. That's so good. Mm-hmm. Chris, any thoughts on this? Well, the thought that was in my mind may not be very nice. So I don't <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But I think, and, and this isn't to say anything against a social media influencer or entrepreneur, but that is something that distinguishes the church from a social media brand. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of companies out there right now that are about one person, and they've got a staff of three. And a lot of the things that you can read about leadership are actually looking in at organizations that are five people or less, because Mm -hmm. they've built a brand around a person or three people, and they've got a staff of five around it. That's not what the church is. Mm -hmm. And what Trey's referencing is something so much bigger and so much richer and so much stronger that will last the test of time because we have that level of diversity. But leading an organization like that is going to be challenging. Um, so I think as a leader, sometimes you you have to intentionally kind of turn down the volume on some of the articles that are telling you how you Ooh. should lead. Ooh, this is good. If mm-hmm. they're telling you how to lead an entrepreneurial social media brand of, you know, one, as opposed to leading a church that is something totally different. Yeah. And how we're leading and loving one another, which mm-hmm. is going to shine even brighter as to... How people can see Jesus even clear. Yeah. So, so team dynamics, Trey McKnight, Kristen Ivy, thank you for giving us some gold to think about. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Think Orange Podcast. We hope to continue this conversation on tour in a city near you. Head on over to orangetour.org and we can't wait to see you soon.